let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and we are celebrating eight years of the Beer O'Clock Show this week, aren't we, mate? I can't believe uh, it's eight years since uh, you know you you started doing this uh, this show, Steve, and, and you're still going. I, I know it's it's just like I'm I'm just like a dog that won't quit with a bone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but obviously, I I didn't I didn't start this this alone. I, I started this this with Mark eight years ago, and it, it's a real pleasure this week to welcome our guest drinker. Is Mark from the Beer O'Clock Show. Mark, <laughs> welcome back. Hello, thank you for having me on Hop Onions. <laughs> ah, he couldn't help himself. <laughs> I, I knew you was going to get that in as soon as you could. Um, Mark, how the devil are you, mate? I am very well, thank you. Very well. How are you two? We're, we're, very, we're very good. All, all the better to hear your uh, smooth, <laughs> silky tones once again. Yeah, it's good to see you, Mark, and, and hear you. And same. <laughs> so we've got um, first beer in the glass uh, yes. this, this evening. So uh, I, I think let's let's talk about what we've got in our glasses, and then then we'll, we'll we'll have a chat with you, Mark, about what you've been up to for the last four years. So as our guest, uh, what mm-hmm. are you drinking for for your right. first beer this evening? This is where you get to hear my because this isn't an English brewery or an English speaking brewery. This is a brewery from Germany, and so you get to hear me trying to pronounce German words, which is always fun. Um, because I recently subscribed to Beer52's subscription box as an easy way of getting beer. And the be- one of the beers they sent me was Hell des Blau from the ABK Brewery, who are based in Munich. So, yeah, it's a Hell's, it's a Munich Hell's Lager. Nice. I- ironically enough, my newest local to, to me is- isn't actually a pub, but it's a bar in our local golf centre that's just around the corner from where I live. And they have that on tap. Oh, really? In, in, in the bar. That's, that's their kind of house lager. Um, so I've had that on draft and it is absolutely delicious. So, so I look forward to seeing what you think about the, the, the bottle version of it. Cool. I, I, do, I do wonder if they've made a bit of a push because the, uh, the Crafty Bar, which is opened in the town next to where I live, they also had that as a regular, regular lager now as well. Steve, what you got in your glass, mate? I have gone for, uh, in honour of the theme of the show, uh, and the, the, as, as we've got Mark back on with, with us tonight, I have gone for a, a beer that was uh, an absolute classic from our very first season of the Beer O'Clock Show. I've got Sierra Nevada's Parallel, uh-huh. uh, which I think we did towards the end of the first season of the Beer O'Clock Show, and, and both of us kind of went, wow beer can yeah. taste that good um but it's a beer that i return to time and time again in in terms of it being uh, a go-to a fridge filler a classic and you like a powwow don't you i do like a powwow yes <laughs> <laughs> have, have you have you got a list of things there that you're going to get into this <laughs> show this my brain it's just my, my refidex my little internal refidex <laughs> uh, martin what are you on um, I've got a similar vein to your Sierra Nevada, Steve. I've gone for Lagunitas IPA. Nice. Which, again, um, I can't remember if you guys had this in the early days, um, but it certainly falls into the same sort of bracket for me as the Sierra Nevada when it first came out. But it was like, a, ooh, beer beer can taste like this. Are you, are you sure? Um, very drinkable, 6.2%. Really have always enjoyed it. I know, obviously, Lagunitas perhaps aren't held in such the same esteem as they were once after their um, 
merge and then buy out from Heineken. But it's the the 6.2 bottle version is definitely something I revisit when I go to the supermarket. Um, well, speaking of which, shall we uh, shall we dive into the first beer then? Absolutely. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers guys. That always hits the spot for me. It, it really does. I, I don't think you can go too far wrong with Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. It is. It's citrus. There's there's subtle piney and resinous notes in it, and then it's just got the, one of the most ba- balanced bitter finishes you're ever going to taste in, in in a beer. I'm 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 really happy that that I enjoy that beer and that I go back to it as often as I, as often as I do. Um, I can't can't disagree with you there, Steve. I think the um, the fact that you can pick it up in a four for whether it be six or seven quid depending on supermarket choice, I think it's pretty phenomenal. Really, and it's a bit of a go-to beer if I go to uh, some of the bars near work because if I see it on, then I don't think about anything else. I just go, I love a pint of Sierra Nevada. Although I think the draft version in some of the bars, like all bar one, is closer to five percent rather than the five point six. I think so. And I also, I have to say, I also find that draft version a lot fizzier yes. as, as well than the bottled version. It feels as though they've almost ramped up the carbonation to compensate for the lack of ABV. Yeah, I, I, it's not the same beast, but it's still a uh, a drink worth going for if you're not too sure what else is on. The, um, the Lagunitas is tasting bang on. Doesn't taste like 6.2%. It's still got a bit of a resinous hit. Still got a nice... Again, a bit like Sierra Nevada, a bit of a balanced, balanced, uh, dry, bitter finish. Um, and yeah, I can see, I, it reminds me why I really took to it originally. Again, I'm pretty certain that they do a draft version now, which is lighter in body and lighter in ABV, which I've seen around. And when I've gone to Holland, I've seen it in a few Heineken bars because obviously with the Heineken connection and it's um, definitely lighter. But the 6.2, again, I think, these come up on those offers as well, Steve and Mark, but the, you know, the uh, four for six or four for seven quid at 6.2%. It's not too bad because uh, they're slightly bigger bottles as well, aren't they? Uh, yeah. Mine's three, three, five, five, three fifty-five 355 mil. Yeah. yeah. How's the ABK Mark? It's really nice. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of lagers in general because I find that the yeasty headiness always goes to my head, but this is a, Good example of a German lager. It's like that. got that kind of um, full-bodied toastiness. You get what I mean from the malt, but light enough that you could swill it if you wanted to. I, I generally like German lagers, um, so I'm enjoying it. It's, really, it's it's light, but it has enough body on it that it tastes interesting. Well, I mean, they've got they've got good heritage there, haven't they? I mean, I I don't know enough about ABK to know what their their background is, but Munich Hells has got plenty of centuries of work behind it so yeah. you'd hope these, you'd hope they'd get it right these guys have been going for 700 years it says on the bottle so I, yeah i would hope they would have learned by now how to <laughs> do a beer <laughs> should, should, should have got it right over that time yeah you, you, you would have thought uh well while we enjoy uh these first beers uh let's dive in straight away to uh mark what the hell have you been up to for the last four years, mate? Because it was uh, almost four years to, to the day where we released the, the, the last Beer O'Clock Show episode, which was the live show from Hot Burns and Black. Um, four years is a long time. Have you, uh, have you still been into your beer in that time? Or did you take um, a bit of a break and then come back? 
Um, I kind of fell off the beer for a while. Um, because we were, you know, we were doing at least a beer a week, but you know, and and additional research beers. So I was putting the weight on. So I decided I would give up the beer to try and lose some weight. Turned out it wasn't the beer that was putting the weight on. It was my <laughs> me shoving the food in my face too much, and that hasn't stopped. Um, so I, I haven't had that much beer in the last four years, at least from a um, con- continuously wanting to try new styles and all that kind of thing. Um, I've done a little bit of um, YouTube gaming stuff, Twitch gaming stuff. That's kind of what I've been doing, um, which the four years of podcasting really helped with because when you're talking about, you know, to a live audience of what you're doing and all that kind of stuff, thinking off the top of your head, that's where the podcasting has really benefited from that. Um, I've done a couple of beer reviews here and there that I've put on YouTube that did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, you know, that was a couple of years ago. Um, other than that, it's just been um, doing the work thing, traveling a little bit back home to Australia a couple of times, Lake District a couple of times, hiking, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's just been a pretty quiet life, really. Having to move twice in four years hasn't helped. Um, so life has been eventful, but not in a, a hugely eventful way. You get what I mean? Yeah, I, I, um, I get what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I've gone into the beer a little bit this year because Bev, my wife, got me um, a walking tour, like a beer walking tour in Bermondsey for Christmas. Me and one of her pals, and so we went on that in February. So that was good to go to breweries, some of which I had been to before, like Brew by Numbers. You know, we knew those guys a little bit, um, and Spatch and Hop Day and places like that. So that was pretty cool to get back into the beer swing of things. Yeah, and finding that one beer at Rebar Numbers that I can't remember the name of, but Steve, you will remember there were times when I would have a beer that I absolutely loved and would swill, but it was of an ABV that wasn't the swillable type, and I would pay for it five minutes later. <laughs> you were there for a few of those moments, so... I think I we all one... <laughs> remember most of those moments. <laughs> I had one of those moments, so it was like five minutes after that, oh, I need to go home now. <laughs> Fortunately, that was the last beer. So that's basically been me for the last four years. Yeah, I, I think Unhuman Cannonball is possibly one of those that comes into that category, isn't it? I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of our long-term listeners will, will always remember <laughs> that original Unhuman Cannonball show where uh, we, we basically descended into a pair of giggling school children within about 15 minutes. <laughs> it was quite the night. So, so you say you've just just recently started getting uh, back into the beer. Yeah. Um, I, I I know that that's that's how kind of we ended up talking a little bit recently because you you mentioned you got the beer fifty two subscription and with that comes the ferment magazine mm-hmm. and and you saw an article in there about the podcast and it, it made you chuckle that, that <laughs> I had referenced you in that. Um, yes. So is is your are you, are you starting to find beer again? Are, are you looking to kind of restart that journey into beer yeah um because in the last year or so i've been getting into cooking as well because there was a period where my wife and i were binge watching master chef australia so from that i decided to get into beer i started getting into cooking and that gets you into flavors and that and that kind of reminded me of how we would investigate different flavor profiles through beer and how exciting I found that. So I decided I would have a look at the beer stuff. Um, and I missed doing beer reviews. You know, I wasn't necessarily very good at it, but I enjoyed it. 
Um, so that's when I decided to, especially after that little ear walking thing. Because um, what was interesting is the chap I was with, he likes, he's, sorry, my cat is shouting in the background. <laughs> he he, he makes, likes, it makes a change from Martin's dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this chap, he, he likes his craft beer, but he doesn't necessarily know the talk about it. And that's one thing that I picked up from you and from the podcast and all the people we spoke to is being able to talk about it, different styles and all that kind of stuff. So I found myself talking about that and I've really enjoyed doing that and tasting the different styles on the walk. So I signed up for this Beer 52 thing to get a bunch of beers selected for me, which obviously they do. It's just gone from there, really. I, I forgot to cancel, so they've sent me another box of beer, which are all um, <laughs> Dutch beers. So that's going to be exciting to go through. That turned up yesterday. The legacy of what we started, Steve, has finally come around to me getting back into beer <laughs> can, and everything you, I learned from it. You can never truly escape it, Mark. Then. No. <laughs> it, it'll always drag you, drag you back in. One, one of the things that, that I always remember from, from, from recording with, with you, and obviously you say you've moved twice in, in, in the time since we last did it, was, was you always used to have a shelf behind you of all of the beers that you yes. hadn't yet got around to drinking. Now, I'm picturing that, that that shelf still exists somewhere because I can't see it behind you now, but are, are there still a lot of beers? on a shelf somewhere that you've still just not got round to drinking? Not a lot of beers. Um, they're all in boxes now because it's, they're all the ones, say, like the Fuller's Vintage ones are still in their original cardboard boxes and are in a box from when we moved last time. Um, and because you gave me a couple that you said, these are good cellar beers. They're good for aging. So they're still there. <laughs> um and one day, I keep thinking, either one day, I'll look them up on eBay and find out that Fuller's 2012 is worth £1,000 or whatever, and I can sell that and retire on it. Or we will meet up one day and have a load of really old beers together and reminisce, and I'll get around to them one day. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think, Mark, you and Steve should do the latter. I'm quite happy to sit in and adjudicate your views <laughs> while supping your beers as well, obviously. Um, but yeah, um, I, I, I have to admit, I was looking forward to seeing the beer shelf behind you as well, Mark. Shame. Cause soon after, actually soon after I finished doing the beer o'clock show, I changed jobs and as a leaving present, they got me um, a selection of craft beers, which ended up being two 24 bottle boxes. So I had 48 bottles of beer. So I had to get through them <laughs> before they all went off. So um, <laughs> that may have what put a stopper on my beer consumption for a while, but I had to kind of power through those a little bit. All, all the fancy stuff is in a box somewhere, nice and safe so they don't get broken. So obviously, as I said at the outset, this is, uh, this is kind of eight years of, of the Beer O'Clock Show, as, as we recalled this week. So it's, so it's brilliant that, that I'm sat here with both of my... Uh, my previous co-host and, and, and the current co-host as well. And, and as I like to, to commemorate these occasions, uh, I've got a list of stats that, that I want to share with you guys uh, about the last eight years. They're in a spreadsheet, aren't they? Of course they're in a spreadsheet. Mark knows about <laughs> spreadsheets as well as I do, I reckon. Everything's in a spreadsheet to do with this show. You've, you've got to keep accurate records of, of historical events. That's the way I look at it. So, so let's, let's have a quick rundown of some of these because some, some of these are quite interesting. So to date, uh, we have done, including this show, uh, we have put out 338 
podcasts, including all the various spin-offs that we've done un under both headings. Uh, 178 of those were the old Beer O'Clock Show format, 158 uh, the new Opinions format. Um, so obviously there will come a time very soon where um, they will cross over and we would have done more Opinions shows. Uh, the very first the Beer O'Clock Show was on the 26th of July, 2012. Uh, which featured Southwold Bitter. Yes. Uh, uh, it ran for 37 minutes, and I'm pretty sure I remember at least 20 minutes of that discussion being about the Olympic opening ceremony <laughs> rather than the beer. Talk about. <laughs> yeah, it was it was all filler, wasn't wasn't it? It was because uh, I I must admit, going back to that very first show, I didn't know what I was doing. You, you, Mark, you said to me, "Let's do a podcast. You can be a beer expert," and I was yeah. like. I drink beer. I don't really know too much about it. <laughs> well, to me, you were the beer expert because you were checking things in on Untapped all the time. And I thought, well, he, he, he drinks more than Foster's. So that's interesting. He's exotic. <laughs> and and I've done, done a couple of podcasts in the past. So I thought, we'll get on. We'll have some beers and we'll just talk about stuff. And turns out I'm, I'm not the great conversationalist I thought I was. <laughs> it just turned out the Olympics was all we had to talk about and beer. It was, but I think, I think people that remember back that far will know that as that season progressed, we gradually started talking more about beer, yes. didn't, didn't we? And we started talking about more that the beer that we were drinking. Um, the first opinion show uh, was released on the 9th of September in 2016. Um, so almost four years uh, after the, just over four years after the first beer o'clock show. Uh, and that featured uh, a couple of beers from Cigar City that I had bought back from uh, a trip to Florida and that came in at 56 minutes. Uh, and, and that was, that was quite, quite the show, wasn't it, Martin? It was a good show. I enjoyed drinking your Cigar City beers, if I'm being honest. <laughs> but they were fairly <laughs> fresh as, as, as well, <laughs> I, I, I think, if I, if I remember correctly. There was one previous episode where the three of us have, have, have recorded together, which was uh, the first episode of season 10 of the Beer O'Clock Show, which was episode 148, uh, which was um, our 10th season. And we decided to celebrate that by having a listener drink with us every week. Um, and for that listener to suggest the beers as well. Over the last eight years, we have featured 861 beers as wow. feature beers on, on, on the various podcasts. Uh, the most featured breweries are uh, Brewdog, who currently have 34 appearances. Fullers, who have 32, of which I think most of those are vintage owl variations. Uh, and then Beaver Town, who have got 21 uh, appearances. And, and then from all of those beers that were featured, I, I always thought I was quite good at almost regulating what were featured on opinions to not duplicate content that we've done in the past on the Beer O'Clock Show. But there have been 17 beers that have featured on both podcasts uh, at one time or another. And just um, a few of those that really stand out for me. Uh, Beaver Town's Gamma Ray somehow was featured three times. <laughs> I wonder I how. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how that's featured three times, but it has. Um, Magic Rock, uh, Bourbon Barrel Bearded Lady and Unhuman Cannibal are, are both featured on, on both shows. Uh, Thornbridge Jaipur has, has featured, All Vow, uh, Saison DuPont, uh, two of the Fuller's Vintages, 2012 and 2014, have featured on both shows. Uh, and then finally, the, the probably the most notable one is Brewdog's Sink the Bismarck, the 42% quadruple 
Ice Distilled IPA have featured on, on both shows as well. Of course it has. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been great looking back over some of those stats from, from the last eight years. And I, I, I still struggle when you say it's been eight years of, of, of doing this because it's, it's, it has flown by. Um, it, it really has. And especially in the last few months, as, as, as Martin and I have, have moved to doing this virtually and we've reverted back to a, to, to a weekly format as, as, as well. Um, in, the, in this time that we've been stuck at, stuck at home, Mark, uh, any, any standout beers that you've been really in, enjoying? Um, you mentioned you're obviously on the Beer 52 subscription. Is there anything in there that's been real standouts for you? Yeah, well, I'm looking at my untapped, and I generally don't untap things unless I actually really like them. And there was uh, two from that box that I got a couple of months ago. The first one was Magnitude of Thoughts from 71 Brewing, who are based in Dundee, I think. Um, the style of it, I can't remember, but I remember quite enjoying it. <laughs> um, I think it was an IPA. And the other one was C4PO West Coast IPA from BRLO, who are... In Berlin, I think. So that was an IPA as well. So um, both of those really stood out. I believe they were both in cans as well. Okay. Um, I, I like canned beers now. I don't know if you remember when canning first became like a really big thing in the craft circles. We were kind of sticking our nose up at it a little bit. And now it's like mini kegs, aren't they? Everything, <laughs> just... Everything's a can now. <laughs> It's just Abs- great. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's 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 very rare these days that we we feature beers on the show that are actually in bottles. I mean, th- th- this week probably being the exception that 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 we that we're drinking bottled beer. See, I was looking at um, getting a box of beers from Beerhawk, and they had what looked like a really good German selection, but most of them were in bottles. So I kind of decided not to get it because I want cans because they're easier to store, easier to put in the fridge without them crashing all over the place. But it seems there's still breweries doing bottled beers, which I found really weird for the crafty scene. I think Europe, Belgium and Germany especially, are definitely still sticking to bottles largely. Mm-hmm. But it does seem to me that definitely um, in the UK, we've definitely embraced cans across the board. Um, yeah. Whereas if we look at our stalwarts and the beers that you definitely would be drinking previously in, on the Beer O'Clock show, you know, especially the Belgian beers, they're fairly much stayed away from cans a lot of the, a lot of those german and belgian brewers strange isn't it yeah definitely and you know me and steve spoke about it recently that a few breweries over here were quite late to go to cans and perhaps mm-hmm. they actually suffered from it whereas i think uh in some like germany and, and belgium i actually think it might be a cut, quite a hard sell to move to cans for some of those people because the bottles are so universally loved and well known i mean can't imagine Cantillon suddenly landing in a can or, you know, some of those Heller's Lagers from Germany, um, yeah. like the 500 milliliter bottles, which with a, a really lovely label on it. I can't imagine those going into cans anytime mm. soon. So it's, it's definitely diverse, definitely diverse. But what's, what's the, uh, the, the Belgian beer that we've seen recently in cans? Uh, Delirium Tremens is, is now available I was, in cans shocked and amazed that that was in a can yeah i couldn't believe that it the one with the pink elephant on it yes yeah oh yeah i spent a night on on tap on that one night <laughs> oh dear oh, oh good night i'm surprised <laughs> to remember it to, to be honest <laughs> <laughs> how, how was the day after mark no it's fine i don't get hangovers which is quite fortunate um but i don't remember getting home <laughs> from that night <laughs> 
So, um, Martin, what about what about you, mate? It's certainly in the last week or so, is there a... There, I, I think, what am I... I'm kidding here, aren't I? There's, there's only one beer that's a standout for you and I this last week, isn't there? Yep. There's only one beer worth us talking about. And um, again, I think this will be a beer familiar to Mark. It's a Thornbridge's Halcyon. It's back. It's in a 440 milliliter can and they've added no fruit to it. Even better. There's no mango and no pineapple or any other shit like that. It yep. is just good, honest, straight up Halcyon. But Steve, you've been a lover of Halcyon longer than I have. What was your verdict? I um, was blown away by it, by it, actually. I think one, one of the posts that I saw that really summed up how I was feeling about it was from friend of the show, Mark Johnson, who, who posted a, a really poignant picture of it saying, uh, I, I, I approached it with trepidation. I was worried about what it might be like, what it might taste like. And then I opened it and I put it in a glass and it was like visiting an old friend. And that's exactly what it was like. It was, uh, it was clean. It was clear. It was resinous. There was the, the, the one thing that has always been there with Halcyon is it, it is big on the grapefruit notes and, and that's from beginning to end. And, and you get that. And then what you got with it was this amazing bitter finish that just went on and on and on. And it just, um, it just continued until you took a next sip where it all started again. And I, I was absolutely thrilled trying it out of the can for the first time. Uh, and it was exactly like revisiting drinking it for the first time. It, it, was, it really was that delicious. I can't disagree with you, Steve. And I saw the same post from Mark as well, um, uh, along with the picture. And like I said, I didn't come to it with perhaps as much uh, love and history as yourself. And I did two cans the night before. So Saturday, we're recording on a Sunday. And um, it was absolutely beautiful to be reacquainted with a beer that just had all of those West Coast uh, qualities so well balanced and wasn't afraid of the IBUs coming into play as well. You know, there was bitterness in there. But I have to admit, it took for the second can for me to really get that bitterness to hit home. I think I just maybe didn't quite... I think the first one didn't last as long as perhaps it could have done. But the uh, the second one I had after I'd had... Um, couple of other beers the bitterness really kicked in and first of all I was actually a little bit taken aback by the level of bitterness it was like oh okay I, I haven't had that kind of a bitter end for quite a while and even with some of the other west coast beers that we've talked about this year Steve and including from Formbridge say Pondera for example mm -hmm. um, the Halcyon knocks a lot of those beers out of the park the beer the, the beer of the year uh, reckoning with Halcyon being thrown into the mix now has um, narrowed down some of the field if we're talking West Coast style I IPAs. But an absolute delicious beer uh, and, and great to see Halcyon back with us in, in its natural form as, as well, I, I would add to that. Anything else that you've been up to? Well, apart from trying to drink my uh, body weight again in Casco ship, um, I was lucky enough to attend the Utopian online launch of their Vienna Lager, uh, which was good fun. Uh, 20 or so uh, people invited to that. Um, a lot of fellow podcasters were on there. So Beers Without Frontiers, 
and uh, Sheffield Hopcast were definitely represented on that. So that was that was good fun. Uh, Andrew from Riven Brews was on there as well. I have to admit, and this may come as a bit of a shock, bearing in mind how much we wax lyrical about the uh, Dark Lager recently, Steve. I actually think I preferred the Vienna Lager to the Dark Lager. Did you get a chance to try it at all? I know you couldn't make the online launch, but did you get a chance to sample it? Uh, I did. I, I tried it uh, just before recording this evening, actually. Um, I'm not so sure uh, about it. Uh, I'm not sure it ticks the Vienna Lager box for me in, in, in terms of the taste profile. Um, but at the same time, I, I want to hang on going into much more detail about that because I know we're planning on actually featuring it next week, aren't we? Yeah, so I guess we'll get a chance to do a bit more of a deep dive on it. Um, but yeah, thank you again for Utopian, both for the invite and uh, sending uh, a couple of the beers over. Always a pleasure to receive the beers from Utopian. I've enjoyed all of them so far. So uh, keep up the good work and uh, look forward to their, their future launches. I think they're going to be doing um, an Oktoberfest beer. Now, I think we have some non-beery news from you, Steve. Uh, listeners and followers on Twitter will know that as of Saturday, I did uh, my 100k cycle ride that, that, that I had been building up towards over the last few few months, which uh, came as a bit of a surprise to me as well, <laughs> more, than, Judge, more than anything else. Judging by the look on Mark's face on this, uh, this <laughs> Zoom call, a bit of a surprise to Mark as well. <laughs> I, I, I'm impressed, but exercise, no. Bad for you, Steve. <laughs> So, Steve, how, how, so, I mean, uh, you obviously planned, you, you and your friend Colin had planned the route throughout the course of the week. I think you set off between six and a half, six on Saturday morning. Um, how, how long was it from, I know you had a few stops planned for a bit of refueling, but um, how did you get on with it? How long did it take? Uh, actual ride time was about five hours and 45 minutes. Um, there were, we had, Probably about four or five breaks in 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 the end. Um, a, a mixture of planned stops where where we had um, that there were places on the route where we had planned to stop to, to to sort of like refill water bottles and have some food and that sort of thing. And then there were a couple of unplanned stops as well. Um, one towards the end where basically I drained my my water again. I, I drank about three liters of water while I was riding. Um, that that distance so we, we had to find a, a luckily enough towards the end of the route I knew there was a shop just off the route so we had to nip into the shop to get some more water um, but yeah it was uh, it was okay actually I mean there was a moment between 40 and 50 miles where I, I began to doubt myself and it was just more of a case of it was I think it was tiredness kicking in I, I always knew I was going to finish it but I, I questioned as to whether I'd be able to physically finish it but yeah, by, by the time we got to the end, I think in the end we clocked up 65 miles, which was just under 105k in, in, in total. And, and actually, as of, as of day of recording, which was the day after I did the ride, I'm not actually feeling too achy in, in, in the legs either. I thought I'd, 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 I'd be suffering a lot more today than actually I have been. I do just want to say, because I did do uh, a few little live things on, on, on the day of the ride, and, and I know a few people got involved in that, and, and there were lots of, of, of well wishes as well. So thank you to everyone that, that, that supported me on that ride. I did enjoy doing it. Um, it was a bit of a personal achievement, a personal goal that I wanted to get to, and, and, and I look to see where I can take the ride in next, really. 
Well, we look forward to the update. And obviously, at some point, um, hopefully, you and I will be able to meet up on our respective two wheels and um, maybe do a few pubs in Essex via the bike, Steve. I'm still very much looking forward to that. Yes, that's that's still one that, that I want to get around to. And hopefully, we'll be able to record some of that as well for, for our listeners to, to hear. Uh, and with that, let's jump into uh, this week's news quickly. Um, so, uh, first up, quite sadly, uh, news about a couple of closures that, that, that were picked up this week. First of all, and, and actually absolutely devastated to find this out today, as of the day of recording, is that Alfie Burns in Dublin is, is no more. I don't want to talk about it. Okay, let's move on. It is, it is a sad moment. That's one of our fantasy pub crawl picks. Sadly, we won't be able to visit again, but I do. Uh, at least we have the memory of, of, of our last visit there last November. Our last visit with Mark Johnson and Matt Chinnery was an absolute... Even if I did manage to cock up the last order ruling a third of 12% Imperial Stout. Yeah, not realising that it was a third of a litre. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, Mark, I <laughs> thought I was ordering a third of a pint and it was actually a third of a litre and it came out. I was like, that's a bit big for a third. And she said, no, it's a third. And I thought, oh shit, it's a third of a litre. <laughs> uh, and, and the other closure, uh, again, and this is quite sad. Uh, so I picked this up from uh, Roger Protz's uh, news page, um, which we'll link through in the show notes if you want to have a read through on, on this one. So the Molson Arms, which a lot of people will know is the brewery tap for Fuller's Brewery. So it's, it's the pub that's on the corner at, at the Fuller's Brewery. Uniquely has two names, uh, the Molson Arms and the Fox and Hounds, um, is to close. And, and that's, a, that's a victim of the brewery being sold to um, Asahi. Uh, and basically what they've done is they've moved the offices uh, away from the brewery facility and, and therefore the Molson Arms is now, in their words, surplus to requirements. It's a grade two listed building um, and, and as I say, it's quite rare in the fact that it's got two names and, and that goes right back to uh, a one-time publican having split the building into an alehouse and a separate wine and spirits bar as well. Now, I think this is quite sad news, actually, and I think this, this begins to mark the demise of, of Fuller's as a brand. It definitely changes it, doesn't it? So with the sale of Fuller's and then moving people out. But for me, that pub is the start and finish of the tour. So you meet up out, you meet up in the tour. That's when people come in and say, who's on the two o'clock, who's on the three o'clock. Um, you obviously finish in the hot bar, I think it is inside, but then most people will gravitate towards going back to the, the Wilson Arms for a pint of cast before they leave. And it's mentioned, I think, a couple of times in the history of Fuller's book, which Adrian Cheney Jones did as well. Um, it is, yeah, I think it's sad. Um, um, you know, it was never going to be one I could ever get to religiously or regularly just because of where it is in West London. But I always knew it was there. And I knew that if I did the Fuller's tour, it was going to be my starting point and probably my end point. So, yeah, I think there'll be a lot of people who miss it. And a lot of that will be uh, for nostalgia reasons. If you're talking practically from a business point of view, then yeah, perhaps I can understand it. But for Fuller's fans, it becomes more that Fuller's are now a pubco hotelier company rather than a, you know, they're definitely not a brewery. They've physically separated themselves from the brewery as well now. Um, maybe the brewery will change its name as well. Who knows? Um, so yeah, sad day. Very much so. 
Uh, and this next story, staying on the, the Fuller's theme, is the great news that Georgina Young, so former head brewer at Fuller's, has been promoted to the role of brewing director for St. Austell and Bath Owls, um, having joined them in 2019, uh, having been recruited by her long-term friend, uh, Roger Ryman, who sadly passed away earlier this year. Um, she's now been promoted to the, the brewing director there. She'll continue the role, uh, which will be based at Bath Owls headquarter, uh, headquarters rather than St. Austell, but she will be overseeing both breweries. So congratulations, Georgina, and that's great news for her. Yeah, no, congratulations. It's, it's good to see her in that sort of position as well. I think that's well-earned and well-deserved over her time. And... With hindsight and looking back, you do wonder whether Roger had an inkling and wanted someone ready who was capable of carrying on what he'd started at St. Orsall as well. So I'm sure there's a few glasses being raised at Bath Ales and St. Orsall now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then the final news story this week is from Fine Owls who are celebrating the 10th birthday of their flagship beer, Yarl. So uh, it turns uh, 10 years old on the weekend from the 24th to 26th of July, which is the weekend after this show releases. Uh, there is a social media camp campaign across all platforms using the hashtag happy birthday y'all. And to celebrate it for the first time ever, they've put the beer into cans. So it's been released in 440 mil cans um, and they've slightly tweaked the recipe as well. So uh, it's got an updated malt bill. They've included oats for a fuller body and they've dry hopped it with T90 hop pellets. Um, it was one of the first UK beers to use American citra hops and was originally brewed as a one-off. I'm looking forward to see what they've done with the, uh, the T90. So it's interesting that them and Oakham, who are probably two of the early adopters of the citra hop, have both gone for the T90. Um, have created versions of it now. Well, in in with that early adopter of the Citra Hop uh, around the same ten year old period is also Ghost Ship from from Adnams. So I'm yeah. It does make me wonder whether Adnams are considering doing because I know they did have plans to do uh, a, a certain number of birthday versions of Ghost Ship this year. Maybe we'll see a see a Ghost Ship with with T ninety editions as well. Uh, quite possibly, and um, naturally, I'll try to buy it. Can I just ask what T ninety is? It's a uh, <laughs> it's it's a hot pellet version right. of the, the the citra hop. So it's okay. It, it's a more uh, I suppose it's, it's got more oomph in it in terms. It brings through more of the hop characteristics. Is it still citra? Is it like a descendant of citra, or is it just a it's still processed? Citra. Yeah, yeah. So citra on citra on steroids. I imagine is the best way right. I would describe it. I, I think um, that's the best description, yeah. That sounds delightful. Yeah, so like I said, Mark, the um, Oakham have brought out, obviously they've, they've got their classic Citra, and they've yep. brought out a Citra T90 version. Um, so Fine Owls doing something similar with Yarl is, um, I think, expected. And yeah, I'm very much looking forward to see what it's like. I think it's quite brave um, for someone like this to do that because I think Yarl is held in quite high esteem by a number of people. So to muck around, muck around with it in the, in the right way, hopefully, will we'll come out good. So, yeah, be interested to see what that's like. 
I look forward to it. Look forward to trying that next week. And with that, I would imagine as we have been waffling for for ages, uh, really enjoying the catch up with Mark. Uh, Quality waffling. If, Quality waffling. Absolutely. If there is a dry glass in this house, I would be very surprised right now. Um, what is everybody's final thoughts on that first beer that we had, Mark? Uh, you first. How was your Hellers? Hell dust blau from ABK. It was really nice. A nice bodied, toasty lager without the headiness that I, do, I dislike in lagers generally. I mean, it's a German style lager, so you don't get that kind of um, yeasty headiness anyway. So I, I really enjoyed it. Yes. Mine, how was the Lagunitas IPA? Really enjoyed it. Um, like I said, actually, I was just looking at Untapped while uh, we, we, were, we were going through this, and it's a little while since I've had the bottle. I tend to have had draft. Um, so actually, the last time I had a bottle of this was um, October 2017. So two and a half years plus. And um, the bottle for me is superior to the draft version. I enjoy the draft version, but it just feels like they've taken it down a notch or two in, in a lot of things to make it maybe a bit more accessible and a bit more sessionable. I'm, yeah, I'm still happy. I'm, now that I've revisited it, the, the bottle may be appearing in the beer cupboard and in the fridge a few more times. Sierra Nevada, Steve, I'm not, I don't even know if it's worth asking you, to be honest. It's, it's not. It's a cracking beer. Let's move on. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Everybody knows Sierra Nevada is a cracking beer, so you don't need me waxing lyrical about it, do you? Let's, let, let's be honest. Let's, let's just jump straight into to what we've got coming up next in terms of our second beers. Uh, I have just poured mine. And when we decided we were going to do a classics episode, I instantly knew I was going to do the Sierra Nevada. The second beer was a bit more of a challenge. But having um, got quite excited uh, about my support for this next beer a few weeks back, I thought, well, I've kind of got to do it now. So I am revisiting Hobgoblin. Um, Ruby beer, um, as it's now called, it's been slightly repackaged. Five point two percent from from Witchwood, uh, and I am thoroughly looking forward to, to to diving back into the Hobgoblin again. Mark, this was one from from the early days. This one that's the beer I haven't thought about in a long time. <laughs> the um, the labelling is quite bland compared to how it used to be. Yes, the, the, the problem is there's now that they've now got four. Beers that they um, bring out under the Hobgoblin range. So there's there's this one. There's the Gold version. There's the IPA, and then there's King Goblin. And uh, I think people remember the original label being more oval and having a lot more metallic images in it. Um, and the the original was just called Hobgoblin. And then you had Hobgoblin Gold, Hobgoblin IPA, and then King Goblin. Now what they've done, they've called them all Hobgoblin, and it's uh, the Ruby, the Blonde, the IPA, or the King version of it. So, uh, it, so but the yeah, the, the, the branding is very, very bland on it now. Yeah, it's, it's a, shame. a bit of a shame, yeah. I, I think it's lost a lot of its character. It used to be quite rock and roll, didn't it, the old yes. label? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, because that um, was like their inspiration for their... Are you afraid to taste something like Lager Boy T-shirt? Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Mark, what's what's your second beer of this evening? Well, I'm going to a, to a classic as well. I don't know if we ever did this on the show, but I think we may have at least touched on it at one point. It's from our old friends up in Scotland, Harvestoon. It's the old engine oil. Oh, nice. I know we oh. at least did this because we were invited to a Harvestoon 
porter and cheese thing once. Do you remember, Steve? Yeah, we, I, did, we did a bit of work with them for a while, didn't we? Where yeah. we got some of their experimental beers in as well. And I remember having some very tasty cheese and some old engine oil paired perfectly. So I'm looking forward to tasting this. I haven't had this in a very long time. But um, I think this was the beer that kind of was my gateway beer towards porters and that kind of heavy, darker style mm. of beer, which when we started doing this show, I would, I was very reluctant to try. But I love it now. Excellent. Oh, look at that little smile. <laughs> that little smile for the benefit of people listening. That's, that's, that's a very happy face talking about the dark beers. And I think continuing on the dark theme, Martin, you've also gone dark here as well. I have. Uh, so not quite as dark as the engine oil, although I think uh, having had that recently, I think Mark, Mark's definitely going to enjoy that revisit. Um, I've gone for McEwen's Champion. Now, I've gone for this mainly for two reasons. Once, one of them is you, Steve. You mentioned it a few weeks ago as being a, a beer you were having on the Sunday when you were doing your, your roast dinner rather than having the broadside. But also, it's a beer that my dad has found recently as well. Uh, during lockdown, he's, uh, his visits to Spoons have been severely curtailed. And um, he, he's taken to sending my mum to the co-op on a regular basis. Um, <laughs> and uh, my, my dad does like, uh, my, 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 and he'll fully appreciate me saying this, he's, he likes his unit per pound. And uh, this McEwen's export comes in at 7.3%. So um, I imagine your roast dinner was quite good, Steve. When you had it. It's very good. I mean, <laughs> my, my decision has largely been driven by the fact that it's now available in Audi for one forty nine a bottle. So, um, <laughs> and it is very, very drinkable for, for, for that ABV as, as well. So it is a beer that I do enjoy. The only thing I would say is the bottle I've got, it's a bit lifeless in the glass. I'm, 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 oh, that's I'm a shame. A, yeah, I'm a little bit hesitant. So just to show uh, Mark and Steve, it's just very... It's, it's, it's like having a cast beer at a beer festival. Now, that's really interesting because you've got that in a tulip glass. And, yeah. and I normally drink that in, in a pint glass and do quite a hard pour on, on it as well in, in, in a pint glass. So I, I actually normally get a fairly decent head on it. Okay, on well, it. maybe the same for me to learn. But I mean, hopefully the uh, flavour and aroma will still kick in. So should we, should we give it a go? Yeah, let's, let's, let's dive in. Cheers. Cheers. And as a tribute to you, Steve, I'm drinking out of a Foo Fighters pint glass. Mate, so have I. This is the one that you bought me as, as, as well. Exactly so, the same one. Cheers. <laughs> well, I'll, um, I'll go first on my one. That's, um, it's a little bit sweet. Uh, there's some malty goodness coming through. A bit of a boiled sweet quality about it. And... Um, quite a dry finish actually it's, it's, it's also quite decent body to it so yes i think i'm lacking a little bit maybe on the uh on the carbonation and i will revisit it again and maybe just tip it all into a pint glass but yeah not too bad for 7.3 percent for a, a classic purchase from the supermarket from that bit of the supermarket that i don't often go to these days as well well, interesting your use of the word classic there, which we're going to come on to short, shortly. Uh, Mark, how's the old engine oil? I had completely forgotten how good this beer is. I mean, I remember really liking it back in the day, but it's so smooth and it kind of settles on your palate and dries out to this nice, thick, tarry, almost a spiciness to it at the very, very edge at the end. Oh, 
Lovely, lovely. It is like drinking beery oil. It's gorgeous. Gorgeous, Steve. <laughs> I've, I've got to say, mate, I'm, I'm disappointed seeing as you was trying to tick all of the, uh, the, the old catchphrases <laughs> uh, that you've drunk two beers and you haven't used the phrase, it tastes like beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> there's time. <laughs> um, correct me if I'm wrong, Martin, you, you might know this one. Old engine oil, isn't that the base beer that they use for the Ola Do? I, I'm yes. fairly certain it is. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I thought so. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and if that's your base, you you can only go upwards from there, can't you? Oh, and the really. qualities are the same. So everything Mark described about that is just heightened um, on the, you know, the 12 to 16 and the 18, but they do with the Highland Park. And yeah, that, that oily quality is definitely there, isn't it? Yeah. It's slick. It's yeah. just gorgeous. They've it's... nailed that. I think we're just going to have to leave Mark for a moment just to... Uh, yeah, he's, he's actually and, speechless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there isn't much else that I can say about it. I mean, I've always liked Harvesting's beers, and I now remember this, this being the highlight of the beers that I ever tasted from them. And, yeah. Brilliant. Good choice, then. <laughs> Bring you back memories. So this came from the Beer 52 box as well. So thank you to those guys. Oh, that was handy. <laughs> nice, nice one in that box. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and Steve, so obviously you have professed your your history and your love for Hobgoblin. And despite what we said about the labelling and it becoming more of a brand than just the one beer, what do you think? It's uh, it, it, it's perfectly drinkable. You, you, you know, it's uh. There's, there's a copperiness to it. There's there's light roasted notes. It's it's quite light bodied. It's really really easy to drink. Um, I've had mine out of the fridge for about half an hour, but it is a beer that you can drink cold as well. I, I just I just really enjoy it when you want something that you don't really have to think about, but that has got quite a bit of flavour going on in it. This this is a beer that I I would go to time and time again. Um, yeah, I think I think it's I think it's a decent beer. I think like I said, I think I'm a little bit disappointed with the uh, the branding against it now. But it is one that if you're in a pub and it's on, then it's worth going for, at least to have a little think about what else you might have. Now, I know when we started doing this, Steve, when like we went away for a week at the in-laws or whatever, Hobgoblin was an easy buy, and it was always a good beer for me to drink along during like a holiday or whatever. Cold, it's really nice, and as it warms up in the glass, it still tastes really good. And I think it, I think it still is now, you know, yeah, yeah. They've got other beers in that family. And, and I'd, I'd say out of the four of them, I enjoy the Hobgoblin and I do really enjoy the King Goblin as well, because it is, it's kind of Hobgoblin amped up. I think it's about 6.6, 6.8%. So, so you're getting all of that, but you're getting a bit more body, you're getting a bit more of the flavor coming through. Uh, and the IPA is, is perfectly drinkable as well that they've released in that series as well. I'd say, I'd say my least favorite of the lot of them is, is the Golden Owl, but then I'm, I'm not a massive fan of traditional Golden Owls anyway. Yeah, and the gold, it's just a bit of a bit of a nothing. It's an easy tick. It's an easy tick for them, isn't it? Oh, we've got we've got a, a beer that fits in that category. Golden yeah. Owl. There it is. It's but we'll call it Hobgoblin. But yeah, I mean I'm 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 gonna enjoy drinking this. Uh and why I am drinking this, and obviously we're all drinking classic beers in in one form or another, and we, we have hinted at this a couple of times tonight. It's the theme of the whole show. Um it was this week's question as well. Opinions, 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 opinions. So we asked, do you ever revisit what you consider to be the classics 
And what are they? So we have 436 votes on, on this poll. 91.3% uh, of people said yes. 8.7% uh, of people said no. Uh, almost 100 comments on, on, on this particular poll uh, and actually suggesting a lot of beers from, from people. So uh, as always, we can only feature uh, a, a, a small selection of the comments that were made. Um, we are grateful for everyone that made a, a comment. There will be a link in the show note to the ori original question if you want to have a look at all of the answers. But I, I took all of the, the, the responses that we've got in terms of classics and, and what I tried to do was almost put them into categories in, in terms of what, what we mean by classics. And um, Steve, what, what, what mechanism did you use to do this? Well, obviously I used the spreadsheet to, 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 to put this together because that's the only way you can ever do anything is, is, <laughs> is on a spreadsheet. Um, but I, I came up with five categories. Now, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a link in the show notes to this as, as well. So if people do want to have a look at this particular uh, document that we're talking about, they can. Uh, there's, no, <laughs> there's no real science to this other than a bit of research around the years that beers were first brewed. Uh, or what we know of them. So the five headings that I came up with were uh, European heritage, so including such beers as Augustina Brow Hells, going back as far as 1382, uh, your Trappist beers, uh, your Allvale, your Rochefort 10, your St. Bernardus, and your Vestvelertens, uh, ranging between 1836 and 1998. And then your likes of Cantillon and Saison Dupont coming in at the 1900s, uh, 1950, respectively. And then also within that category, we've got Guinness uh, around the 1959 mark. So, so that's, that's kind of in the European heritage section. And then we've got UK traditional in terms of your regional beers. And, and a couple to, to pull out here is the oldest one in, in this particular column was Deakston's Old Peculiar, which apparently was first brewed around 1890. Uh, probably a very different recipe from what we've got now. But also within this category, we've got both of the beers that you and I are drinking, Martin. So Hobgoblin, 1983, and McEwen's Champion, 1993. But we've also got things in here like Taylor's Landlord, Harvey's Best, Fuller's ESB, Proper Job and Citra. They're all in this one. You've then got the US craft movement, uh, which is where we start getting some real significant names coming up. So again, both of the beers that you and I have drunk, Sierra Nevada Palau, 1980. So I can't believe that that beer is 40 years old. Wow. I'm surprised. I really can't. I'm surprised at that one. I didn't realize, I thought it was going to be 90s. I, I am. In, in fact, that beer is older than Hobgoblin, the Hobgoblin that I'm drinking. So that's, that, that's quite, quite astounding, really. Um, Lagunitas IPA is in there, 1993. You've got Stone IPA in there at 97. So uh, both, my, both my beers I happened to choose were both the same year? Both the same year, yeah. But, okay, that's complete coincidence. I, there was no science behind that one at all. So <laughs> that, that's qu quite odd as well. Yeah. The year you were born, Martin. Amazing. That, thank you very much, Mark. Yes, I've, I've, I've aged well. <laughs> uh, also under that US craft, we've got um, two, I suppose, style innovators as well. So you've got Goose Island Bourbon County Stout, first brewed in 1992. And then you've got, which I, I think is widely recognized as one of the first barrel-aged beers. 
Um, yeah, I think so. Because when we've spoken to them before, and we, when we've heard talks from um, Goose Island, when they first created that beer and tried to, and they entered it into the Great American Beer Festival, didn't it effectively get disqualified the first yeah. time round? Because there's no category. There wasn't yeah. a category for it. The other one in here that I said under under the style innovator was the uh, the alchemist Teddy Topper, which I think is widely acknowledged as being the first uh, of the Vermont style IPAs that that used a different yeast, was a little bit hazy and a little bit softer in in its approach. Um, the final two categories that we've got under this are what you call your modern day classics, so Roosters Yan Yankee ninety three, Marble Lagonda ninety seven, Jaipur two thousand and five. Punk IPA 2008, and of course we know that Punk IPA wouldn't exist without Jaipur. Fine Yarl, that we've already spoken about tonight, 2010. Gamma Ray in 2012. And the Colonel's Table Beer, and this one surprised me. First brewed in 2012 as, as well. I thought that was much later than that. Uh, I did as well. It definitely wasn't on my radar in the early, t in the early you know, 2012, 2013. I wouldn't have known that existed. Yeah. And then the, the last category... Uh, before we get on to some of the comments this week, is what I've kind of termed as your next generation of, of classics. So, uh, Wild Beer Millionaire, 2014. Daya, Steady Rolling Man, which came up time and time again in responses to this poll, 2015. Uh, Track Sonoma, 2015. Tiny Rebel Club Tropica, 2016. And then, interestingly, probably the most recent Trappist release in Tint Meadow being released in 2018. So they're your next generation of potential classics that are coming through. And like I say, we've kind of put that in a bit of a timeline and, and that will be available linked through in the show notes. No real science behind it other than me doing a bit of dating on, on, on yeah. some of those beers. To be fair, there's some good shouts in there. I mean, I, I, wasn't, I knew that ESB from Fuller's because they effectively created the style was the 70s, but uh, referencing what Mark said earlier, the Fuller's ESB is closer to my birth birth date than the, um, <laughs> the, the Lagunitas IPA. But thank you very much, Mark. <laughs> I think there's some, some fascinating versions of what you might call a classic, both in your spreadsheet, Steve, and uh, the comments we'll come on to. People have obviously will have different versions of the word classic. So I think, you know, I think we should start diving into those comments and see what other people think. Yeah, without a doubt. So first up from Ian Smith at Fine Ian. Uh, fairly sure this question is intentionally vague to promote discussion, but seeing five-year-old beers alongside the likes of Allvale and German lagers as classics is weird. And I actually think it was that comment that prompted me to put them under different headings to try and do that timeline to, to see where they all sat next to each other. No, you uh, just wanted to do a timeline. You, you were doing a Back to the Future kind of thing, weren't you? Probably, yeah. <laughs> Uh, a similar vein from Chris Clough at Nine Squirrels Brew. When I hear classics, I'm thinking all vow and West Mal personally. From Richard Eason at underscore E underscore Richard. All Belgian beer is timeless. Tons of stuff never stop being good. And sticking on the Belgian beer theme, like many others, Belgian beers make up many of the classics that I love to go back to. On a personal level, the classic UK beer is probably tribute as it's the beer that got me into beer. And again, I love going back to that. And that was from Josh Hales at Joshua, Joshua A. Hales. From Saisons in the Abyss at A.D. Goodrich. Agree about Belgian beers, Jaipur, Cannibal, etc. Basically, anything I loved 10 years ago that I still go back to and enjoy is a classic. 
from James at James Moosh. Most of what I drink are classics. Orval, various goozes, other Belgians, Czech lagers, pint, Manchester bitter, other cast bitters. I rarely drink anything new these days and never without trust in the brewery or recommendation. From Dave Morton at Demon Beer. If I've spent good money on several underwhelming beers in a row, I return to the classic examples as I know I won't get let down. And from Points of Brew at Points underscore of underscore brew. I suppose classic is subjective, as I'd call some brews a classic as I drank them when I was starting to getting into craft. I'd always go back for an occasional proper job, punk, gamma ray or phantasma, which I'd define as classics for me, but just maybe not for everyone else. Simon Clark at Simon Carbon. Yes, if I can find them in good condition on cask. Jaipur, Harvey's Dark Milds and Austell Proper Job. Shout out for Daya Steady Rolling Man for being a modern classic. From Gerald Doherty at Drinking Games. No, but only after recent realisation and decision. I used to get so excited about American beer, many of which to me are classics. But I can't remember the last time I had a good one. Even those classics pale in comparison to new local stuff. No pun intended. <laughs> and the, the final two comments of the 100 comments we had. From Mike McGuire at McGuire Mike. With the amount of New World beer being kicked out every week, I've been going back to the classics and modern classics more and more. Duvel, Proper Job, Old Peculiar, Sierra Nevada. Just would prefer the classics on cask where they belong. And finally, from Pete Brissenden, at Pete Brissenden. So sick of hype, but I essentially only drink the classics now. Well, that was to the point. Thank you, Pete. <laughs> Very much so. Now I'm gonna um, I'm gonna dive straight in here and uh, in terms of our views on this and and, and get Mark involved here because I, I think when when we first started the the, the beer o'clock show eight years ago, I, I think in terms of the beers that we had available to us, that they were probably only those beers that we would term now as classics. In in, in fact, I remember many discussions that you and I had made via text in terms of what can you get in your supermarket this week that exactly. was, was both the same. Um, and, and sometimes even that was a bit of a challenge for us, wasn't it? Yeah. Cause for me, it was the beers I could get in my Sainsbury's local across the road from my flat in Stratton. But then I branched out to the large Sainsbury's in Ballum and that opened up the world because I had a world beer section, which had like 10 different beers rather than just the three or four you can get in the Sainsbury's local. Um, so it was all stuff like, Adnams, um, drinking IPA, all that kind of wonderful stuff. <laughs> um, it, it still hurts me that we did drinking IPA on this show. It really does. Well, sorry, I'm going to jump in there and say, well, but we've all gone through a rite of passage on various journeys, whether that be beer, music, whatever it might be. And drinking IPA has been around a long time, and Green King have been around a long time. So, and it was definitely easy and still is easy to get into a supermarket isn't it all supermarkets pretty much have green king ipa yeah it, it was and, and and i'm just i'm just looking at um unsurprisingly the spreadsheet in, in front of me <laughs> of, of of the beers that we've done on the show and just 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 to go over a few of the beers that we did in that very first season in terms of their classic nature uh southwold bitter by adnams waggle dance by wells black sheep Bengal Lancer by Fuller's, Tanglefoot by Badgers, 
Punk IPA by Brewdog. I think everybody remembers that episode and still cringes at Mark's Scottish accent as he read <laughs> off the side of the Brewdog bottle. Uh, I'm not sure that's the I'm not sure that's the only thing they find amusing in that episode, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hobgoblin Gem by Barthows. Uh, Ghost Ship by Adnams. Sierra Nevada Pale Owl. So, so yeah, we did in in that very first season season of the Beer O'Clock Show. We did a lot of. Uh, I suppose what a lot of people would term as classic beers going back then. Yeah, I mean, we kind of thought of ourselves as, this is from what I remember, you may have a different recollection of the show being about real ale. And then these craft beers started coming on our radar more. It's like, oh, do you want to try this? And away we went, and that was the end of it. Um, I, I think so. I, th- I think our gateway to that was maybe some of the um, because early on in, in in our life we we struck up quite a good relationship with Innis and Gun, didn't we? And, we did. And I think I think they were the first brewery to ever send us beers to try, which mm-hmm. I remember us being very excited about. It was like we've got some we've got some beers. Somebody sent yeah. us some beers to try. God, somebody's actually listening to this this thing that we're putting out. But yeah, so I, I think towards the end of that first season we we, we began to began to transition, didn't didn't we? I mean I, I know probably during seasons two and three we still featured a lot of those traditional classic type beers. Yeah. But we did start to lean more towards the new as, as it was then, the new craft beers that, that, that were coming through and bringing more of those onto the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were kind of sticking to the supermarket staples to begin with. And then you and I started going out a little bit more together to research, quote unquote. Um, we fell into a couple of brew dogs, I think, and we tried some different things. And then obviously you were networking like crazy as you were wont to do. And you were meeting up with people and having all different types of experiences beer wise. And that kind of opened eventually my eyes to the craft scene as well. But can I just jump in there? Yeah, as, yeah, obviously, cool. as a, as a listener of the Beer O'Clock Show, um, which apart from apart from you, Mark, as a you know doing the editing and you, Steve, as co- as co-host, um, probably listened to it maybe a little bit less with a different ear. I think that was quite good though because your your journey your journey was very much mirrored. I think a lot of other other people's. My awareness of what has become to be known as craft was fairly much 2011, 2012 as well. It, it, it was a fortuitous moment when you guys met and decided to start doing this because yeah, I would have, I would have stu- literally, I would have started off in the same sort of vein. What beers can I get easy? That would have been my starting point. And it's your, your supermarket generally because off licenses were on the decrease. Bottle shops weren't necessarily a thing back in, back in 2012. And you would go for those beers that you saw often. And those are the ones which featured on your first show. But even then, looking back at that first season, Steve, uh, some beers there like Bengal Lancer. I think that's still a cracking beer the last, the last few times I had that on cask. Um, and I know that obviously you were having them on bo- in bottles. So yeah, I, I think it's mirrored a journey for a lot of people, including my own. And, and and I think that's a that's a key thing about the, this topic that we're discussing tonight in terms of the classics, because I, I I do think maybe a lot of people will come into beer via beers that are available in the supermarket, uh, regardless of putting the whole 
supermarket discussion to one side, whether it's a good or bad thing, but, but people are, are getting introduced to a range of beers in their supermarket. They're generally starting maybe with some of these classic beers. They, you know, they might pick up a few Hobgoblins because they're on offer. They might pick up a few Sierra Nevadas for the same reason, but they'll, they'll taste those and then they'll be like, oh, I enjoyed that. What else is available? And they'll try more of those classics on the supermarket shelves. And maybe when they've exhausted the supermarket shelves, they then start doing essentially what Mark and I did, which was started going, oh, actually, there, there are shops online that, that, that sell beer. Um, uh, you know, and, and as you say, Martin, back in 2012, we, we start, there, there weren't a lot of independent bottle shops. Um, now there are a, a, a lot more. So there are more places to get your beer. But I, I do think the, the, the classics are sometimes, they're sometimes a gateway to other beers as well, as, as well as for me personally, these days, being beers that I like to go back to and just, just really enjoy drinking without thinking about. Oh, definitely. I think, and again, I think the word classic can mean one thing to one person and something else to another. I mean, uh, and apologies to listeners and to you, Steve. I'm going to use a Doctor Who analogy here. The the old series of Doctor Who, which ran from 63 to 89, is very much referred to as the classic era. And from 2005 to present day is called New Who. But if someone's coming in now and finding Doctor Who, then them going back 15 years there's a good chance they're going to consider your 2005, you know, Jaipur as a classic, you know, technology was different. The way it's presented was different. The, the characters were different. That will become your, that will become your classic. Everyone has a different version of classic. And I think your, your spreadsheet has illustrated it quite nicely. Actually. I had no idea that Sierra Nevada went back as far as 1980. I definitely, definitely would have said that was another 15 years younger than that. So I was amazed at that. So I think it is quite good. I mean, the McEwan's champion very much feels like a beer of a time before the 1990s, perhaps. But ironically, isn't it weird that we brought out in the UK McEwan's champion very much of a style that's recognised over here? It's a, it's a, effectively, it's a brown ale. It's just mm-hmm. a bit of an amped up version. Whereas the US were bringing out Lagunitas IPA, which was massively hop focused with that dry, bitter finish. So you couldn't get two more divergent beers than those two beers, similar to your pale ale and your hobgoblin. When when we first started on this journey, those those were the beers that essentially we were we were featuring beers that we wanted to drink, weren't we, Mark? It was it was kind of you know there were there were many weeks where we'd literally be having a text conversation while you were stood in the supermarket saying, yeah. I can see these three beers on the shelf. What can you get? Yeah. I, I distinctly remember standing in the aisle at Sainsbury's local saying they've got punk IPA. Shall we do that this week? And you saying, I've heard it's terrible <laughs> and thinking, well, that's going to be a giggle. So let's do that one. And that, that may have colored the first, review that we did of punk ipa which is haunting us still it, it, years it, later. it, it, it still is mark it, it is mark it still is a show that people refer to as, i still as stand as by our original review by the way <laughs> well to, to be fair for what it tastes like now it's it is terrible now I, I i i don't care if people agree or disagree with that but i think punk now is probably at the worst it's ever been oh, can i agree do- can I just do a shout out to another beer that I found in the scene? It was local way back then. And I, again, remember the first time I drank it. It wasn't on the show as well as editing the show. And it's where the peachy thing comes from, which was Golden Glory by Badgers. 
which I cracked it open. It was, I drank it on the 31st of August, 2012, when I was editing the show. It was a steaming hot day. And I cracked open this beer, which I'd never tasted anything like it before. And just the taste of peaches just opened up my mind of what a beer could be. And um, a few months later, I remember going into, what's the, oh, the Holborn Whippet? And saying, you know, what do you recommend? And they said, well, what kind of beers do you like? I said, I like Golden Glory by Badgers. And the guy, I don't think his eyes could roll back any further <laughs> in his head. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, well, I like those kind of ones. I can't, don't remember what he recommended, but <laughs> that kind of made me realize that maybe Badgers weren't held in the esteem that I held them in amongst certain people. But, but a lot of people do hold Badger Ales in very high esteem. And well, they should. Golden Glory is one of the best beers ever produced in this country. I think it's an excellent beer. I think it's a brilliant beer. I think their, their beers are probably quite underrated by a lot of people as well, if you get to talk about the classics. So it's a really good shout out. But I would have loved to be there when you said that to the guy behind the bar, the Holden Whippet. <laughs> Holden Whippet of all places. <laughs> one of the very early craft beer bars in London. Yeah. I, I do remember your love for that beer, Mark. I, I, I really do. But I think I think that sums up the nature of, of the whole uh, what's what's a classic to you is going to be different to what it is to me, to what it is to Martin, to what it is for everyone else. Everyone will have their own view of, of, of what a classic is. And this is obviously a discussion that we encourage our listeners to continue getting involved in. Use the hashtag opinions and we will find you and you may very well feature in this next part of the show. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in Linganess. Write it down. So from Mark Johnson at Mark and Johnson. Again, I don't know why I'm saying Mark and Johnson. No. Everybody knows where they can find Mark Johnson on Twitter. <laughs> uh, great snippet, gang. Great to listen to Johnny. I owe a uh, I owe a catch up of his podcast and lovely detailed description of Steve's pub visit. You are back to be in my Thursday morning commute this and this week. From Adam Johnson at Maybe Not a Fad, catching up on episodes as I'm a little bit behind, then hearing the effing and jeffing from Martin and Steve, and I'm like shocked gif on that tweet. So, um, yeah, apologies for that. We have got a bit passionate over the last few weeks about a number <laughs> of issues. Yeah, actually, I uh, popped in to see uh, Paul at Two Brews, and um, he said, yeah, I've quite enjoyed the last couple of episodes. Said, yeah, was, was that the ones where we ran to be? He said, yeah, they're good. <laughs> More ranting, yeah. <laughs> uh, from Johnny Beerboy at Johnny Beerboy. Great snippet. Uh, really enjoyed the Brew York. I'm getting some love around the country. Been enjoying their beers for a, few, a good few years as a regular visitor to York. Made me aware of them early on. Haven't tried Big Eagle 2020 yet, but must. They also brew a lager called Freya's Gold, which, given Freya is my daughter's name and she's quickly approaching her first birthday, going to have to order a few cans of. And from Simon Clark at Simon Carbon, off the back of this, this uh, episode's rave reviews of Big Eagle, Big Eagle IPA, I've just put an order in. Also ordered a few others, including the Kiwi Brown Ale. A well-hopped brown ale is a thing of beauty. Simon, can't wait to hear your review about that one. I'm looking forward to Simon's thoughts on that as well. Uh, Ian Hay at I.I. Hay. With the lack of travel, I've been a bit behind with the show, but I'm ashamed to say, uh, and I've listened to five episodes on a country walk today. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's commitment right there. Uh, excellent as always. And the Kiwi Brown sounds like my kind of thing. Might have to place a little order. And I, I think a few minutes later, Ian confirmed that he had actually in, in placed <laughs> yeah. an order for, for some beer. 
And from your boy, Rob Edwards, at Rob Edwards 90. So true about Andy from Elusive Brew. His beers are as nice as him. Love that comment. Yeah. Uh, from Weird Beard. Um, thanks for the kind words, guys. We remember that night in Colchester, our man Brian's old stomping ground. And finally, from Lee at Brew York. So Lee obviously sent us the beers recently. Just wanted to let you know, I listened to the podcast at 5am this morning whilst doing the first day's brew. Was once again a real thrill to hear you discuss the beers. Was pleased that you found HHH to be balanced and refreshing, even though that's not your preferred style. And I think that was definitely referenced to you, Steve, as that was the one you, you tried on the show. Great again to hear yours and Martin's appreciation of the Big Eagle. As yours and others' feedback has been excellent, and as the team and I can't stop drinking the beer, I'm pleased to report we're going to try and keep it available. Yes! It's down... <laughs> Peer pressure works. <laughs> it's down to be brewed again in two weeks. Provided the sales keep up, we'll keep it available. Well, we'll do our best. Uh, would be a real shame to have to kill it off again. Not sure I could take it, nor could we. I can't believe it's four years since you started working together. I like the fact he recognises we're working, Steve. Exactly, yeah. I like it when people <laughs> say this is work for us. We keep telling our respective <laughs> partners we're working. They just don't believe us. It, uh, and I joined the listenership at the same time. I haven't missed an episode in those four years and don't plan to start now. Here's to another four years and onwards. As always, keep up the excellent work. And as I said, that was from Lee at Brew York. So firstly, again, Lee, thanks for your comments. And secondly, thanks very much for doing the beers. And finally, thank fuck Big Eagles are regular again. <laughs> I'm so excited. When, when, when he said that, I was like, brilliant. Can all get Big Eagle. That's, that's what I want. Uh, so much enjoyed that beer last week. Okay. It's great that we're going to be able to get it regularly as well. It would seem. We should probably just set up a direct debit, Steve. Yeah, just send me that beer every month and I'll pay you for it. <laughs> that, that, that'll do. Um, but yeah, great. Uh, but we had all those comments this week and thanks to everybody that made a comment on the show uh as I say use hashtag opinions and we'll keep finding your comments and including them in the show i think we're probably approaching uh well i certainly am once again uh an empty glass um yep mark's nodding along martin's not along uh mark how has your beer been in in that glass have, have you got any left or have you, have, you, have you done it all oh it's been gone for a while <laughs> <laughs> it didn't last long at all you know six percent old engine oil it's just oh it's, it's it's a thing of beauty really just the memories come flooding back i haven't drunk it in four or five years it's just a great beer and i just remember how it was such a gateway like i said before it was a gateway to darker beers for me old engine oil it's just it's gorgeous there's nothing else i can really say about it i think i think that's that's eloquent enough mark i think thank you especially a beer you haven't had for four or five years as well uh, to to have those memories coming back must be quite 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 nice. Will you will you it order is. some? Will you be trying to seek out some more? Um, if I because I think they do stock it in my local Waitrose, I will pick it up and have it kind of as one of those fridge staples to always have it in the fridge to go it's back. Not to a bad then. staple. That is I was going to say a bad staple to have. That's a, that's a classy um, fridge staple to have. Yeah. Mark. We're, we're we're coming round for your classy fridge staple and to raid your fullers. <laughs> Vintage box. <laughs> cool, um, you can do the unpacking for me. <laughs> oh shit! Damn. Why did I? Why did I open my big mouth? Um, this is what happens when I have a seven point three percent beer. I'm not loving it, to be honest. 
I, I mate, think that's your pour of it in that glass. I really, I really do, mate. Well, I, listen, I will revisit it again. It, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a shelf filler in, in Tesco for certain. So I will try it again. I'll do the hard pour into a pint glass. I'll, do, I'll perhaps use one of the oversized glasses. See, that changes my thinking about it. I can picture it on cask, maybe a little bit less ABV, um, which it certainly hides. But yeah, it is just a, well, if I reference the Kiwi Brown Ale that I had last week from Brew York, this McEwan's is not a patch on that. So I, I personally think they're very, very different beers, but I, I think I've had a different experience with that beer from, from yourself. Um, so, so yeah, I'd, I'd encourage you to, to, to revisit that. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to some Halcyon after this, put it that way. I want, <laughs> I want some hops back in my glass. Aren't, aren't we all? In terms of the Hobgoblin, I, I've loved it. I've drained my glass. Uh, it is a beer that I'll go back to time and time again. Um, it, it just hits a spot for, for, for me. Uh, it's, it's, it's completely drinkable. And it, it's one that if, if it's the only beer available on a shelf in, in a particular location at a particular time, I'm quite happy to buy that and, and, and to drink it. It's, I think anybody turning their nose up at that, it's maybe a little bit of a snob. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Um, it's not a bad beer. It really isn't. Ooh. If anyone else has diverging opinions on uh, what Steve <laughs> thinks about Hobgoblin, please let us know. That, that, that's one that could ignite a fire under a few oh, people, yes. is, oh, yes. isn't it? Let's, let's be honest. Uh, so without further ado, let's quickly segue out of this one. Um, what we, what was coming up next week, mate? Well, I think we've referenced um, the couple of beers which we're going to hopefully uh, do on the show. So the uh, Vienna Lager from Utopian. So we can do a bit more of a deep dive on that, Steve. And also the new iteration of Fine Ales Yarl. Be very interested to see that's, how that compares to the original. Maybe it's a bit stronger. Maybe it's the same ABV, different build. So, yeah, that, that'll be quite interesting. That's everything I know about next week. I know that I'm drinking two beers and I know what they are. I, I'm looking forward to trying both those beers as well. Uh, obviously, we'll be discussing um, another opinions topic as, as, as well next week. Uh, Mark, it really has been uh, a pleasure to have you back on with us again this evening. Um, for me, it's been a real trip down memory lane, um, sitting across the screen from you uh, <laughs> again and, 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 and chatting to you. Are you going to continue your, your, your beer journey again now? Are you dipping your toe back in to, to things? Well, I definitely am because obviously, like I've been saying, the Beer 52 one, and especially the one that I got yesterday, which is all Dutch beers and seeing social media posts from B-Hawk about their German boxes and all that kind of stuff. I'm very interested in trying all those, trying the different flavors that come from those regions. And also, you know, I've been listening to this show off and on since, since I quit the Beer O'Clock show. It's been a pleasure to see how the show has grown and that you've kept the, the flame going, Steve. <laughs> well, mate. <laughs> and, oh, and, God, and, Martin, Martin slid into my slippers, you know, like we've got the same size feet and he just <laughs> fit right back in. And it's been great to see that the show's still going and hopefully keeps going to great strengths. And that, uh, yeah, you're still doing your, your crimbo crawls in the summer and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's a mate of mine, um, Ronnie Bean, who I, I know you know, he's been to, he went. He comes every year. Yeah. He's, there, he's there every year and he always asks after you every year as well <laughs> so i haven't seen him since um the leeds one that we were all in leeds together um good old Ronnie. i've known him for years so he's always talking about his beer so that's kind of 
if I'm not keeping up on my beer show Mark Twitter account and I'm on my gaming one instead, I see him talking about the beer o'clock show on his feed all the time. So there's always a tangential connection to beer o'clock show. That's always. quite cool. Ron, Ron, Ronnie is brilliant. We, lo- we love Ron and um, I know he listens and it'd be a, it's a real shame we probably won't actually see him this year because of uh, circumstance. But hopefully when we do the summer session next year, the Crimbo Call replacement, he'll he'll be along again. And I love the fact he'll just go off a little bit of a wander yeah. on his own to do his own thing. And then he'll just catch up with you later on. Brilliant. Yeah. He yeah. likes adventuring, does run. Yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> um, Mark, you are without a doubt part of the DNA of this show. Um, because you, you know it, it, this, it was originally your idea. You, you, I'm the, I'm the you, seed, you, if you will. You are, yes. You pitched it to me. <laughs> I, I jumped in, um, and, and yeah, it's it, it's been great to have you back. Look, we're two years out from a ten year anniversary. You've got to commit to come back in two years' time to join us for the tenth anniversary. I, remind me, and I will be there. <laughs> that's that's not committing. That's that's, that's will, very much non-committal. I will be there, but you need to remind me. Mark, he'll he'll be reminding you from next week onwards. Then, <laughs> mate, I can't believe it's four years since I left. So in two years, he's going to go. Like yeah, out, I know it's hard. So. It is hard to believe that that um, I think quite a nice sunny evening in um, at Hotburns and Black when you guys yeah. did the live show. It is hard to believe so much has happened. Can I just say those live shows? Because people who know me personally will know that I'm not a very outgoing chap, and I'm not I'm not one to to talk madly the podcast brought that out on me and doing a live show in front of actual human beings and standing up and talking in front of a room full of 20 or 30 people was something i never dreamt i would ever be able to do because i hate public speaking but this show allowed me to do that so yeah i owe a lot to the beer o'clock show and i owe a lot to steve and thank you martin for keeping it going with him i appreciate you keeping everything alive well, thanks for starting it off, both of you. So um, I think that's quite a nice way to finish the show, guys. Cheers. 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 Cheers.